Gospel of John, chapter 11. While you're turning there, we'll dismiss all the children up through age six, all the children up through age eight. I'm sorry, up through age eight. If you'd like to go to Children's Church, you're welcome to go. You can stay with your parents, of course, but we appreciate you being here. John, chapter 11, we find the shortest verse in the Bible. I... uh, Appreciate the Rochester family. I think I've already mentioned that. Thank God for their love for the Lord and His Word. And and we appreciate having them here with us yesterday and today. And pray for them. And uh, I appreciate John chapter 11. I was thinking this week how many times back through my life... uh, I don't know that I would call it. It's easy to say this is my favorite chapter, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It just happens depends on what week it is or what day or what situation I might be going through. I love all the Word of God, don't you? But many times the story here in John chapter 11 that I think all of us here today are familiar with, the story of Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. And what a story here of Lazarus who died and Jesus raised him from the dead. Amen. Pretty spectacular story. How many of you believe it's real? Amen. 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 And many times uh, I've drawn such comfort from this chapter and, and have been able or sought to use it to be a help and a comfort to so many others who are going through trials and difficulties and especially, of course, at a time when they've lost a loved one. But I want you to notice, and we'll read some more verse. Well, let me just start reading with verse 25 with you this morning. The Gospel of John chapter 11, beginning with verse 25. Jesus saith unto her, that's Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Now he's talking spiritually there. Believest thou this? She, Martha, saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she, Mary, heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him, Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. And then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he, Jesus, loved him, Lazarus. And some of them said, Could not this man, Jesus, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself, 
cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. And Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Let me take you back now to that verse 35, which is the shortest verse in the Bible, two words. But would you agree with me today, even though it is the shortest verse in the Bible, it's certainly not shallow, is it? Certainly not shallow. You know, sometimes some of the simplest questions in life can be the most profound, can't they? Uh, Sometimes we say, let's just ask the simple questions of who, why, what, when, and so forth. Now, they may be basic questions, but they're not always the simple questions, are they? And usually when we maybe ask from my perspective, and I think I can say this, that usually when we read that verse or hear someone refer to that verse, John chapter 11 and verse 35, Jesus wept. We ask the question, why? Which is a good question. Why did Jesus weep? And if we have time, we'll touch on that for a minute or two this morning. But you know, there's some other questions you can ask, which sounds like simple questions, but profound. Not only why did Jesus weep, but who wept? Jesus wept. The what question? Jesus what? Jesus wept. Think about that with me. If I had to title the message, I would title it simply this. In verse 28, Martha went to her sister Mary in verse 28 and said, The Master is come and calleth for thee. It's interesting, Brother Pastor Sparks yesterday at the men's rally reminded us that Jesus Christ not only wants to be our Savior, but He wants to be our King He wants to be our Lord and Master, doesn't He? And Jesus Christ is calling every one of us to do something, to come to Him. If you're here and lost today, He's calling you to come to Him for forgiveness of sins and salvation. Amen. And if you're saved today by the grace of God, He's calling every one of us to come to Him. May the blessings of life and the trials of life draw us to Him, amen, that we might be stronger in the things of the Lord. Mary, the Master has come, and He calleth thee. Now what is it that the Master is calling me for this morning? As you think about that thought, let's think about these three questions. Who is it that wept? (laughs) Jesus wept? Jesus? (laughs) Who do we believe Jesus is? was and is and forever shall be. We could turn to many passages in the Bible if the ones we are aware of and know about. We don't even have to leave the Gospel of John, do we? Go right back to the very first chapter of the Gospel of John with me just for a moment. John chapter 1. Who is this Jesus? This one who wept? John chapter 1, the beginning with the very first book verse of this Book of the Bible, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, 
Now, it didn't say the Word had a beginning, but in the beginning of time and creation, as, as we see things from a human perspective. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. God had no beginning, but creation had a beginning. Time had a beginning. Man had a beginning. God never had a beginning. He's the eternal God. And here in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And Watch verse 3. And all things that were made were made by Him. This Word is a person. <laughs> and this Word is the Creator. And everything that was created, verse 3 of John chapter 1, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Here we're dealing with the one true living God, the eternal God, the creator of everything that's ever been created. And in verse 14 of chapter 1, it says this word, this creator, this God was made flesh. Wow, that's the Christmas story, isn't it? The great profound doctrine that theologians call the doctrine of incarnation. God in a body of flesh, a hundred percent deity and a hundred percent man, but no sin nature. How can you comprehend and explain? Thank God we don't have to explain it and comprehend it. We accept it by faith, amen. The God man, the word, verse 14, was made flesh and dwelt among us, lived down here among mankind, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Who in the world is this man? Who is he? Well, you keep reading down through John chapter 1, and you come to verse 17. Verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth... Verse 14 said he was full of grace and truth. Verse 17, we finally have a name. But grace and truth came by who? Jesus Christ. Wow, we go back to chapter 11 and verse 2, verse 35, and we thank Jesus. Jesus, the true and living God. It's exciting. Look at verse 5 of John chapter 11 for a moment. Verse 5 of John chapter 11. Now, I love this story here, and, and, and you've heard me preach and teach on it, that here was two sisters and a brother, and they loved Jesus. They were a little family unit. And we don't, God didn't give us all the details. And uh, Lazarus got sick. And boy, the old devil can shoot darts of doubt in your mind. You know, how many, how many times, you know, and, and the world struggles with this and they get mad at God and bitter at God and say, if God loved, why this and why that and all that? And we're all human. And, and if we'd be honest, we've all entertained questions like that, haven't we? Because we don't, how can we explain God? We either trust him or we don't. He's absolutely holy. He makes no mistakes. And here Lazarus not only got sick, and they come and say, you know, even this one that Jesus really loved got sick. And he not only got sick, but he died as a result of the sickness. 
So did, did Jesus really love them or not? <laughs> oh, I'm glad it says in verse 5, now Jesus, what's the next word? Loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Let me ask, who loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? Jesus. Hallelujah, what a God. Hallelujah, what a Savior, amen. We get so used to it. <laughs> who? God. The true and living God. Absolutely holy and righteous. And God truly loves you today. And He loves me. And if you're here today unsaved, He loves you. Amen. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But He's still holy and righteous and your sins have to be paid for. And if you don't accept the payment that Jesus made and we sang a while ago he paid it all and if you're not willing to accept that payment then you have to pay for your own by spending an eternity separated from God in a place the Bible still calls hell amen a lake of fire and torment God he loved look at verse 14 of John 11 then said Jesus unto them and you find this phrase all through this chapter then Said somebody spoke in verse 14. Somebody communicated with these people. Who was it? Who? <laughs> Do we believe John chapter 1 that Jesus is the true and living God? Do we believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. The creator of everything that's ever been created. Are you thankful that he loves you whether we comprehend or not? Aren't you glad that God has spoken? Aren't you? Th and by the way, when you pick the Word of God up and read it, Jesus can speak to your heart through the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, I know from time to time somebody will come to me and say, God spoke to me and I heard a voice and I had a dream and I had a vision. And I want to joke and say, well, have you been eating too much pizza or something? And, and I don't know about all, you know, that's between you and God. And if I ever heard an audible voice, I'd die of a heart attack right on the spot and, and all that. And, and, and all. But I'll tell you what, God sure has spoken to me through his word many times. Amen. Many times. Look at verse uh, 17. Somebody came. To Martha and Mary. Who was it? Verse 17 it came. Jesus. Look at verse 33. Verse 33 of John 11. When Jesus therefore. Somebody saw. Mary weeping. Who saw it? Who? Jesus. Surely. Surely if there's some kind of supreme being out there that. God, and by the way, somebody I shared Wednesday night, I believe, and somebody shared with me, I think it was a Chinese scientist or something that uh, just recently who I think was an atheist or something, and, and finally he's publicly proclaimed that there's no way, there's got to be a God, there's got to be a supreme being somewhere. Now, he didn't claim to be a believer of the God of the Bible, but that's a good step in the right direction, amen? That there's that just can't, this, uh, this couldn't have just happened, there's got to be, whether you call him a God or what now that's not going to get you to heaven but that that's a good step in the right direction do we really believe that God God sees and knows and he's interested in you as an individual this morning I believe that with all my heart amen 
Jesus saw her weeping. And then verse 35, who is it weeping? Jesus. Not just a, now yes, 100% man, yes. No sin nature, that's why the virgin birth is so important. But God living in, oh what mysteries, what mysteries. Jesus wept. It's interesting, you find the word weeping there in, in verse 33, uh, well verse 31 at the end of it they say, Mary's going to the, tomb, to the grave to weep. Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw Mary weeping. And by the way, it says that Jesus not only wept, but he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Wow. Groaned. Let me ask, have you ever groaned in the spirit? Troubled, grieved, and burdened? Wow. <laughs> Jesus. The word weeping there, when it says in verse 35 that Jesus wept, I understand that it's the only time that particular Greek word is used. I like what I mentioned in Sunday school this morning. Steve and I attended a preacher's fellowship the other day and heard this preacher preach. And he said, now, now and, and by the way, I, I think he's a very intelligent man, knows the Greek and the Hebrew, and he was kind of cutting up with us. And he said, now, I don't know much Greek, but I purchased me a strong concordance and I'm very dangerous. Okay. <laughs> now, I don't know much Greek and Hebrew, but I thank God for the aids and helps that God's given us in the times we're living. Amen. And I understand that the, the word, we, we know the New Testament was originally given to us in Greek, and I understand that the Greek word that's translated wept in verse 35 is the only time it's found in the New Testament. And it implies a silent weeping. Whereas the word weeping that's used in these other verses comes from a word which implies sobbing, outright sobbing or loud lamentation. As a matter of fact, in Bible days, and I don't know, maybe some countries still do this today, they would actually hire people to come and mourn and cry and sob and loud lamentation. And maybe they felt like that would help families or individuals have closure and all I don't know but I've been in funerals before where, where where folk get you know I mean someone just loses it and they're sobbing and 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 everybody gets concerned because they think my goodness we we got to get this person under control and and all and 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 so forth and there see there's a con and while others are sobbing and 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 by the way sometimes rightfully so Jesus is weeping but it's a Silent, weeping, but an inner groaning and troubled inside. But there was enough evidence of it that verse 36 says, those who saw Jesus said, behold how he really loved him. He really loved him, didn't he? I'm going to tell you one thing. If there's any question about whether Jesus really loved Lazarus in spite of his sickness and death, Brother, God, the Holy Spirit makes it pretty plain in this chapter, amen? He really did love him. And I want you to know he loves you today and he loves me. And if you die and go to hell, you'll go to hell being loved by God Almighty and loved by the Holy Spirit and loved by Jesus Christ. And you'll go to hell in spite of his love and mercy and grace, amen, simply because you're not willing to humble your heart and repent of your sin and trust Jesus as your Savior. And as a child of God, if 
I allow the trials and the difficulties of life to drive me from God, and I become bitter and, and, and so forth in my life, even as a child of God, it's in spite of the fact that God loves me, and he'll never stop loving me, amen, because he loves me with an eternal love. Jesus wept. Jesus did what? He wept. He wept. First, Second Corinthians chapter 1, we don't have time to look these passages up. In Second Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, the Bible says that God, our Heavenly Father, is a God of comfort and encouragement. Now whether we talk about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the same God, amen? Not three gods, not God who's the father one minute and then the next day he, you know, three. How do you explain that? I don't, I've come to the place where, listen, it's not my business to explain God. <laughs> Just proclaim the word of God. Turn the truth of God loose, it can take care of itself, amen? I just accept it by faith. God's a God of compassion, comfort. Verse 31 of this chapter says, look at John 11, verse 31. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her. We try to be a comfort to one another, don't we? In times of trials and difficulties. But the Bible teaches us that God is a God of comfort and encouragement. He's a God who cares for us. 2 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. Jot these references down if you're not familiar with 2 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7 talks about how that God resisteth the proud. He gives grace to the humble. If we'll humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, He'll exalt us in due time. We can cast all of our care upon Him because He careth for do we believe that this morning who was it that wept jesus the eternal god what did he do he wept why groaning in the spirit god of compassion and love he cared hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says that that we have a high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities therefore we can come Boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. Jesus wept. You know why? Yes, he's a holy, righteous God, but he's a God of mercy and grace and compassion. Amen. Oh, I get used to those things and I just need to be reminded of it. This is my God this morning, my heavenly father by the grace of God. Jesus, hallelujah, what a savior. Can you say amen to that? Who wept? Jesus, why, or, or what did, what, Jesus what? He wept, which to those around was an evidence that he truly loved. He saw, he came, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he knows it all. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, and lo, I'm with you always. But we come to the question that we always ask, and that's why. That's why. Why did Jesus weep? Well, I know one thing. He wasn't weeping for Lazarus. Unless, as some have suggested, if he was weeping for Lazarus, it was only because he hated to see Lazarus have to come back into this sin-sick world. Amen? <laughs> he wasn't weeping for Lazarus. Amen? Lazarus was in heaven. 
Or his grave, his body may have been in that tomb. But Lazarus wasn't in there. Who was he weeping for? I think he looked around and saw the consequences of sin. If it hadn't been for sin, there would be no death. He saw the the loud limitations going on. He saw the sobbing. He listen, have we lived long enough to see the wickedness and sin of the world? My goodness. You look around and see all the heartache that sin has caused. Jesus was weeping because of sin. Maybe he was weeping because he was going to the cross of Calvary. The Bible says, I believe three times in the Bible we find Jesus weeping. Here at the grave. One time he overlooked the city of Jerusalem. The Bible says that he overlooked Jerusalem. He wept and he cried and said, oh, how often. (laughs) How can you explain the sovereignty of God and the free will of man? Somebody asked Charles Spurgeon or somebody one day said, how do you reconcile the sovereignty of God and the free will of man? And he said, reconcile? You, you, You don't reconcile friends, you reconcile enemies. They're friends, they get along fine together. <laughs> we just have to wait till we get to heaven and figure it all out. Jesus looked out over Jerusalem and said, oh, Jerusalem, how often would I have taken thee and put you under my wings as a hen does her chicks, but you wouldn't let me. There's God saying that, folks. There's Jesus saying, I'd forgive you of your sins. I'll take you to heaven one day. I'll forgive you, but you won't let me. (laughs) There's God. But He's created man and given you a free will to make decisions with He says to me today, I'll take you and make a strong Christian out of you and and have a will and a plan for your life even as my child. But sometimes we say, no, Master, the Master's calling, but we're not willing to let Him have His will and way. He doesn't force it on us, does He? He doesn't force it. He went to the cross. The Bible tells us he not only wept at the grave and wept at Jerusalem, but he wept in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? And the Bible tells us that he wept and his sweat was as drops of blood. Now, was it literal drops of blood coming through his body? I choose to believe that. I'm not sure. Some say that his sweat just dropped like big, thick drops of sweat that like drops of blood. Others believe that Jesus was under such stress. And I've read doctors' reports that this could really happen, that he was under such stress that blood literally oozed through the pores of his body. But whichever viewpoint you take, it doesn't change the fact that when Jesus was crying there in the Garden of Gethsemane, He knew, and the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, He endured the cross because He saw the joy on the other side. And the book of Hebrews says that in His flesh there was strong crying and weeping at times. Listen, we don't have it all recorded in the Bible. Jesus knew what it was to groan in His spirit. But most, why did Jesus weep? I think on this occasion He saw the consequences of sin. 
I think he wept because of their unbelief. Remember, we read a verse, some of them said, my goodness, if this Jesus really is who he is and all that he claims to be. Why, even when he was crucified, they said, well, if you're the, come down off that cross. I'm glad God doesn't always listen to man, aren't you? Maybe he wept because of unbelief. Oh, he knew many would get saved, but he knew many no matter what he did. Their hearts would just get harder and harder. They would never come to the Master. So the truth is, I really don't know. I can't fully answer these questions. I know who he was. (laughs) And I know what he did. To tell you why he was weeping, I guess we all could speculate and name some more things, couldn't we, if we had time. But I know one thing. He loves you. He loves me. We have a hallelujah, what a Savior. We have a high priest that we can take all to Him. And today He says to you and me, the Master says, come. Come to Jesus. Now you know what? If I can wrap this up this morning. In John chapter 11, we learn from this story that we have difficulty seeing the big picture, don't we? We see little snapshots going through life. But Jesus sees the whole picture. Matter of fact, at the very beginning of this story, Jesus said, when he got news that Lazarus was sick, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Did Jesus die? Yes. Was, I mean, did Lazarus die? Yes. Okay, I get my name. Then was Jesus lying? No. Sometimes from our perspective, because we just see little snapshots, it may seem like, well, I thought Jesus said this sickness wasn't unto death. (laughs) Well, see, Jesus knew the end from the beginning, didn't he? You see. And on down in the story, Jesus said, I told you. I told you if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Maybe he was weeping because of unbelief. I heard someone say just recently, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Jesus is saying, come today. The psalmist said in Psalm chapter 30, verses 4 and 5, Weeping or sobbing last for a night. But what comes in the morning? (laughs) Joy cometh in the morning. Amen. Joy cometh in the morning. Do we believe that or not? We have a great God, don't we? Now the Master's calling this morning. If you're here today and you're unsaved, the Holy Spirit of God's calling you to come to Christ. Come and find forgiveness of sins. Would you answer that call? Would you come? If you're here today with heartaches, and you know we come together like this, we never really know what's going on in a heart and a life, do we? Your whole world may be caving in this morning. Would you come to Jesus? <laughs> all your in- Come to the mercy seat. All your anxiety, all your fears... Bring to the mercy seat. Leave them there. Maybe you're on a mountaintop this morning. Man, your light bill's paid. You're in good health. You don't even have a headache. Everything's going great. Bring your praise to Jesus. 
Bring your worship to Jesus. Whatever your circumstances, the situation is, the master call. Come and worship him. Come and praise him. Come and bring your needs. Oh, let's humble our hearts before him. And God's grace is sufficient. Mary, the master's come, and he calleth for thee, thee. There's eight billion people on this planet today. And God sees me today. And he knows what I need today. And out of all these 8 billion people, God sees you. You know, sometimes as a pastor, people fall through the cracks with me. Sometimes I forget. It's hard. It's just hard for me to keep up with just a few people sometimes. But I serve a God. Nobody falls through the cracks. Amen. <laughs> one, I can't. I just can't. I'm having a hard time finding a stopping place here. Amen. I get too used to my heavenly Father sometimes. I get too used to my God. I get too used to my Jesus. Don't you? Jesus wept. Jesus loves us. Jesus cares about. Would you come to Jesus this morning? Let's all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Would you come to Jesus? Come and trust Him as your Savior. Come and trust Him with your heartaches. Come and praise Him and worship Him this morning for your blessings of life. The Master calleth. Come, come to Jesus. Father, while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, May the Holy Spirit just take the truth of your word, O oh God, and, and you know each one of us. You know what I need. You know what each one of us, from the youngest child to the oldest adult here today, speak to our hearts, O oh God, and truly may you not just be our Savior, but may you be Lord and Master of our lives. May we listen and heed your voice and obey the leading of the Holy Spirit this very hour. We pray in Jesus' name. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask the pianist to play softly. If the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heartstrings today, would you find, nudge the person beside of you, find the nearest aisle, make your way down here, just tell this preacher what's on your heart. Do you need to be saved? You're not sure you're saved? Would you just let one of our men or one of our women take God's word and maybe answer your questions for you and show you how to trust Christ or right where you stand, reach out to Jesus with a repentant heart. Call upon the name of the Lord for whosoever shall call on the Lord shall be saved. That's the most important thing, isn't it? Come to Jesus. Christian, are you struggling? Are you struggling? The old devil's put darts of doubt there. and Maybe you're struggling with some habit or sin. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Come to the Master. Has God been good to you? Is your life just full of blessings? <laughs> Lift up your heart and praise and worship to Jesus this morning. Give Him the glory. Give him the glory. Can we help you? Can we help you today? If we can help you, you come right now. 
Ask the pianist to play one more verse and that'll be all. Pray for those around you. Pray for your church. Pray for your preacher. Pray for all those men and young men who were here yesterday. God will continue to work in all of our hearts and lives. Pray for our families, our home. Pray for our nation. Oh, my. Let's take it all to Jesus this morning. people said amen amen don't you love jesus this morning we love him because he what first loved us if we can be of any help to you at all please let us know and be sure and go by the table out there and any way the rochesters can be a help to you I know they'd be more than glad to help you any way they can. God bless you. We'll see you back here tonight at 6 o'clock.